Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. It's Friday, everybody. Give me all you got. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. I'm your host, Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Give me all you got. I uh, I got a uh, great show for you this morning. My man, Gus Cagney. I hadn't talked to Gus on this show in about three weeks. Usually talk to him every week. I have done so every Friday for the last 14 years. But he... Um, he was traveling last week for his job. He was on a flight in the morning. And then previous week, uh, it was the, it was Black Friday. It was the day after Thanksgiving. So we're going to catch up with Gus in a little bit, talk a little Pels, talk about the coaching carousel around college football, how he thinks Brian Kelly will do at LSU, how he thinks Billy Napier will do at Florida, how he thinks Michael Desermo will do at UL. We're going to get into that, but we're going to spend a good bit of time on the Saints as well. Will they snap their five-game winning streak and they beat a really bad Jets team? Well, the Saints aren't exactly good right now. Can they do it? We're going to dig into all of that with him. You know, there's some games this year that the Saints just let slip away. Let it slip away. Games that they could have won. Some feel like games that they should have won. And then there are other games where, you know what, they just weren't going to win. Last week against Dallas, they weren't going to win that game. Yes, it was a bad, you know, whatever you want to call it, shot block, whatever they called it. It was it was a bad penalty. It didn't matter. The Saints weren't going to win that game regardless of that call. All right, they weren't. They weren't going to beat Buffalo, no matter what. They weren't. Titans, Falcons, Giants, you can look back to one play here or there and say, oh, you know, it was so close, so close. I just think back to the Titans game, and I think about all the missed PATs. And kicking has been a bit of a of an epidemic this year in, in, in the end. Tons of missed kicks. You've seen tons of missed kicks. And somebody asked me this week if moving the extra point back was a good move. I've never really liked it, but I also have to admit that what the NFL was going for when they made that rule change, it worked. It worked. It worked. Like, it's changed strategy. It has lost kickers' jobs. You miss a 37-yard field goal and then you make two others in a game, yeah, you'll, you'll be... You know, your seat will be a little warm. You can make field goals, but if you consistently miss your PATs, you can be out the league. Boom, see you later. Brian Johnson, Saints win at Seattle, makes two huge kicks in bad conditions. The Saints win the game by a field goal. Seattle's kicker missed a field goal in that game. Maybe the Saints have their replacement for Will Lutz this year after they've been through three kickers prior to that. What happens? He goes into Nashville and he misses PATs and he misses PATs. And it's like, oh my God. And the Saints end up losing by two. And then you end up chasing points because you're going for two and you don't get it. Saints have missed, what, nine consecutive two-point conversions. So when they don't kick the PAT, they can't even make the two. 
But the success rate of 20-yard extra points, sorry, John Carney, no, it's like not, over 99% when it was at the old spot. Now you're dipping down into, you know, below 90 since they changed the rule. And this year it's down like in, you know, the 80s, which is not good if it's supposed to be a just free play, which is kind of what it used to be, 99 times out of 100, not the case anymore. So a meaningless play that was always assumed, you want to do that? You want to trot your kicker out there? Are you more willing to go for two? Certainly, if your kicker sucks, you are. But the reason the rule was changed was to add an element to a game that didn't feel like it was 99 and a half times out of 100 always going to work. They wanted to add drama. They wanted to add meltdowns of kickers. They wanted to add a change in strategy. So, yeah, I'm not crazy about it, and probably it's because I've seen too many missed ones by Saints kickers this year, but I wasn't crazy about it when the rule was put into place several years ago. But it's not about whether I like it or not. It's about did it work, the intention of the NFL. And in this in this instance, the answer is yes. It's yes. Will it come down to kicks Sunday? Will it come down to kicks in the state championship games? Shout out Westgate. Shout out to uh, to Westgate. You know, that win they had last week against Edna Carr was epic. Now they're playing for a state title tonight against Warren Easton. Best of luck to them, Coach Antoine, the whole crew. You got a state championship game at Cajun Field tonight as well, E.D. White versus University Lab. But when you look at the state championship matchups, you know, at least this weekend. I know last weekend, LCA, a tight loss to St. Charles. and But this weekend, you don't really have the, the local teams. The only one that's, that's local that's close to here is, is Westgate. I'll be rooting for him tonight. Good luck to those guys. We're going to talk to Gus Cottingale this hour, some Pels, some Saints, some college football in the 8 o'clock hour. My man Chris Lano brought something up to me about you know, you would think that that fans of a G5 program would be rooting for Cincinnati. And a lot of people, not even fans of G5 programs, just the idea in a college football playoff of an underdog getting it done. But he brought up something to me that's interesting and why Cajun fans actually, at least depending on what happens December 18th, and, you know, let's say the Cajuns win, why they should not be rooting for Cincinnati. I'll explain that in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll open up phone lines then as well. Dig into the NFL slate week 14. Talk some Cajun hoops. Men and women in action this weekend. Big games at La Tech at Houston. That's all coming your way uh, later on. Latest on the assistant coaching carousel as well. A lot of folks around here, you know, LSU fans being hard on Brian Kelly. I, I think there's a certain way that you need to look at this. And a lot of people are looking at it the wrong way. It's all coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. But up next, Gus Kattengill. Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I have not talked to Gus in a couple of weeks on these airwaves. I've been on his show a few times, but just the way that the schedules have played out. So we're looking forward to that. You're listening to us. 
via the World Wide Web, via the ESPN Lafayette app. That is brought to you by Shop Pods, Market on the Will Center, Shop Pods going the extra mile. This is ESPN Lafayette now at 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. And those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. That's a record. down on a Friday. Gus Kattengill, our guest now, Protola segment. Gus from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. You know him from everywhere. He's been all over the place for the last 20 plus years on the radio across the state on here on Fridays. And joining me this morning on a Friday, Gus, man, uh, last week you were traveling. The week before, it was Thanksgiving holiday. I have not had you on these airwaves in about three weeks. So uh, I know I know you and I chat, but our listeners have been worried sick about you. How, you, how, how are you feeling? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's Friday. It's the weekend. It's the holiday season. I know how much you get into the holidays. Uh, and... Uh-huh. You know, kind of that Christmas spirit. This was a question we were kind of having fun with. What, what is, what's like the perfect Christmas gift? If like somebody wanted to give you, now I say a perfect Christmas gift. Let's tie it into sports. If somebody was going to give you the perfect sports Christmas gift under the tree, what do you want Santa to bring you? The perfect one? Well, you know, huh. keep it keep it realistic here. Yeah. No, I mean, it is. Really. I wasn't going to ask like for a Cubs championship. But or, or a healthy Pelicans or Saints cool. team. You know, that'd be good. 
Yeah, no. I mean, I'll say this. I I do, and you know this already, especially with Junior turning five this past week, dude. I uh, I definitely want to catch a game with him. So I think a sweet gift under the tree would be, oh, man, where do you sit, right? Do you do the bleachers? It just depends how old he is, right? Like where you sit, maybe behind the dugout. Um, there you go. But yeah, I'd like to do a game with Wrigley with him. You know, all expenses paid. Stay right nice. across the street at the hotel, across from Wrigley. So all I got to do is walk across, hang out in the little play yard they got there, catch a game. That'd be fun. That'd be a pretty cool sports gift. So if they came to the Saints and Pels, it's easy. We did this earlier in the week in terms of what Santa should bring those two teams. And dude, it starts with health. I don't know how. If it's a big giant band aid kit, you know, like when you play video games, when you need health, you can recover and you see the right, food. Or right, get, get, get like a, the old you know, Zelda game. Just give them the give them the the, yeah. the red elixir <laughs> potion. Something. That's it. That is it. Because it, it really, honestly, is. It's incredible. I mean, and I understand because look, injuries affect everybody. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has a what fractured toe. Uh, Kyler Murray, first place, you know, cards. He's missed games. He's a starting quarterback. So when you take a look at all the teams all around the league, they are suffering from injury. And it's just with the Saints, it's almost compounded. It's always a starter. It's not just for a game. And it's just never ending, you know, when you look at it like that. So health for that. And then obviously with the Pellets, it's simple. If this team would have remotely been healthy the last five years, six years, who knows where it would be and how different the fortunes would change. And you wouldn't have a package on inside the lines on Wednesday detailing Zion and, you know, his inability to be on the court for the Pelicans. That's not a package you want to see when the highlights are him dunking, but in him limping, you know. So, health for the two local teams for sure. No doubt about it. ESPN Lafayette. Uh, Zion Williamson, um, you know, we, we've talked about his conditioning quite a bit as it relates to uh, when he could come back, what he might look like when he comes back from the Pelicans. That on social media for some has turned into jokes and things like that, which, you know, I I, I should probably stay away from that. I think there's a line between, you know, I guess – mean jokes and actual uh, analysis of, of, of what it might look like. And there are pictures going around and one of them was doctored and hoop sensor or whatever tweeted it. I mean, you're seeing other pictures. A guy used to work here uh, in this building, Speedy and picture online of, of Zion with Speedy and his son. And he walked up to his kid and said, I like your shoes where he looks fit. I mean, I, all the weight discussion aside, what I want to ask you Gus is when do you think he might be back? And what kind of impact is he going to have on this team when he comes back? That's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know when he'll be back in terms of, I know what was a kind of barometer for him to be back was him being able to have four practices where he could run up and down the court and, and not pass out after five minutes. Obviously, the obvious. Not experiencing pain, not experiencing 
soreness related to the injury, right? I mean, because I'll say that this week, and certain people are like, well, you're going to be sore if you haven't worked out. And I'm not talking about the first game after he plays, he's going to be sore. I'm talking about specifically like they are on the foot. Um, until that goes away, though, Scott, he can't run. So it's... You know, they, they kind of made it seem like it was no big deal. We're just going to rest them for a week and then kind of try to build them back. But the problem is this. He hadn't gotten to a point where he can run up and down the court fully. He was doing three on three, one, four on four. But now he's not. So, I mean, Scott, realistically, I don't see him in December, you know. Um yeah. The update this week was that, and, and this is something that fans kind of maybe either picked apart or read into, and I don't know, just, Scott, I'd love to get your opinion on it. When Willie Green says, you know, the soreness is still there somewhat, and the, and the words were, and other things. What other things? Like, what, what other things is he dealing with? So that's something that kind of freaked a lot of people's ears. When Coach Green said dealing with soreness, and, and other things, and other yeah. things. Jeez. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I don't even know what to say. At this point, anything is. Is there anything at this point, as far as this season goes, as it pertains to Zion, that would surprise you, or are you at this point just open to anything? Because the communication, you know, they they sent out an email every now and then about a medical update, and then you hear something a week later about how well he had to leave practice. Like it's so. I, I whether it be poor communication, whether it just or or maybe it's just such a fluid process. At this point, I'm just like I'm going to enjoy it when he gets back out on the court, and in the meantime, I'm just not going to expect anything until it actually happens. Because one day it's he's close, the next day it's there's a setback. Like, what do you what, what do you even do at this point? I think that's why too many people just you know are are making uh you know uh, poor jokes and and other things because they you know what else are you going to talk about with him at this point i i i hope he's on there sooner rather than later um i'm trying to figure you know i'm trying to talk myself into various reasons to watch this team when i find myself watching them gus because the season from a postseason standpoint you're only in early december but it feels like that's completely lost you've seen some growth you've seen some you know positives whether it be herb jones whether it be valentunas whether it be uh ingram who you know as of late has been playing better and you try to find reasons to watch the team but ultimately zion regardless of conditioning whatever hell when he is on the court he still must see tv regardless of the record and and i i hope we get to see him sooner rather than later but at this point i really don't think there's anything you could you could tell me later today oh he's not going to play this year you could tell me later today, all right, he's going to be back in a week. I would just be like, okay, whatever. I mean, I, it, until until something actually happens, I'm just going into it saying hope for the best, expect the worst, and don't be surprised by anything. Well, have they or he given you any other reasons to feel differently? No. I think that's the reality, you know? And, you know, you asked me a little bit ago, too, about when he was going to come back and what the expectation level is. The expectation level is so low for my end where it's, can he get however means with what we would think would be the starting five? Verb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Dallin Junis, and I guess Avante Grant. Um, just to see if it works. To see how you 
handle the draft next year to see what moves you're making free agency because that's where you are. I mean, that's your barometer right now. I mean, you can, you know, wish upon a star and all this other stuff that, uh, hey, you're, you're within 10 games. Or, I hear you. But I also get a realist. And when you're looking at the win-loss record and where they are right now, you know, I said this going into the game when you looked at the Pelicans. They're 7-20, you know? I mean, after that loss to Denver, they're 7-20. and 20. Until you get to 500, I can't even think about that. And no. Scott, you're a baseball guy like I am. And you know in baseball, you're going to have stretches where you lose a couple of series. You have bad starts. You can make a run. Heck. We saw the Atlanta Braves do it last year and win the, the championship, right, Scott? Where yeah. was it in July? They were in like 10 games out or whatever. But no one's that many games below 500. And the way the Braves did it, Scott, is they essentially won like 15 of 16, 18 of 20. I mean, you they're going to have to go on one incredible run for them to get to 500. You know what I mean? I mean, they're going to have to win. I think I sat down early in the week. They have to win five games for every one loss, like four times or something like that, in order to get to 500. I mean, you're not going to win, you know, 15 straight or something. So I think if you win five for every one loss, I put them in, I think, almost February if they did that now. So. I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what those expectations are. You know, again, I, no one trusts what comes out of the organization. And no one knows when he's going to be ready. So when you have those two unknowns at those two levels, there's zero expectations for me. And to your point, absolutely nothing would surprise me. You can go to tankathon.com, folks. <laughs> you can keep the track as to where the Pels are being right now. They have the third worst record. So the third best chance to win the lottery. They'd be picking three if they went the NFL way. They went by record. And they have some pretty good, you know, players. They can choose from in the draft next year. It sucks to look at it that way. But, yeah, here we are, you know, December, early December. Stop looking at how maybe the draft and other moves can help you on the ninth of this month. It's ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Kangil, our guest. We're going to talk Saints when we come back. Uh, speaking of stinks, the uh, health report. You get a couple guys back this week. Now COVID's hitting. You got the Jets on the road. Will they snap that five-game losing streak this Sunday? Will the losing ways continue? Is Russell Wilson even a possibility with the rumors that are out there next offseason? Who's likely to be under center? We're going to cover all of it when we come back right after this. I'm Scott. That is Gus. It is a Friday. This is ESPN Lafayette now at 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening online, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're back after this.
With Christmas quickly approaching, A. Brian's Jewelers has got you covered with the most fashion-forward styles. A. Brian's Jewelers is ready with the perfect statement this Christmas. For over 30 years, A. Brian's has been a part of Christmas magic. Earrings, watches, custom creations, and heirloom pieces. Put the A. Brian's showroom on your shopping list and no one will be disappointed. Fantastic jewelry from a trusted source. A. Brian's Jewelers on Johnston Street across from Doug Ashey. Let A. Brian's Jewelers work some of their Christmas magic for you. The firm Arsamal Red and Morella is a proud supporter of the UL football, basketball, softball, and baseball broadcast airing across the Town Square family of stations. Since 1987, Arsamal Red and Morella have represented the Acadiana region, providing income tax, accounting, and business advisory services. Whether you are an individual or small or large business, the accounting firm of Arsamal Red and Morella is ready to serve you. Find them online at cpa-arm.com and go Cajuns. Paid by Christian Care Ministry. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it time for open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also when you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance. It really is remarkable. There's more than 400,000 members now who have shared more than $4 billion in medical bills. So they can handle your bills too. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th, they'll waive your new member fee. So that's another $170 you'll save. I'll give you the number here in a second, but call and you'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline, December 15th. So call now and you'll save even more. Call 855-51-BIBLE. That's 855-51-BIBLE. 855-51-BIBLE. High prices don't get you a great network. A great network gets you a great network. It's why Total Wireless runs on the largest, most dependable network with nationwide 5G. And now our totally unlimited plan is just $50 a month for talk, text, and high-speed data that never run out. Get unlimited laughing, scrolling, unlimited everything. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Available at Total Wireless stores. Capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Total Wireless reserves the right to review your account after 60 gigs. Terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com slash terms. Light Up Acadiana 2021 is here. It's the holiday season, everybody. And between now and December 12th, we need you to share the photos of your brightest, most creative, breathtaking holiday light display. So dust off the old lights out of the shed. Light Up Acadiana 2021 is happening now. It is sponsored by Lafayette Limo and Trolley and various formal wear. Light Up Acadiana 2021. See how you can send us photos of your best and brightest holiday light displays. And the winner will take home $500. Learn more over at ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. It's Light Up Acadiana 2021 by Lafayette Limo and Trolley and Barry's Formal Wear. Joe Buck and John Smoltz welcoming you back to the City Center Convenience Mart. Heather's moment has arrived and you just hope all that training pays off. Heather lays down her purchase, but Randy rings it up as slowly as he can. Uh Uh-oh. Yep, she's looking at the cigarettes. There's nothing good back there. Heather's arm is in motion, but she just grabs the gun off the counter. That's a slick move. Even Randy tips his cap to Heather. Stand up to cancer and rally wants you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. Hi, I'm Amine. Sometimes starting a conversation with a friend about mental health can feel awkward, but your support can make a huge difference. You know your friends best, so if you feel like something's wrong, trust your instinct and reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. 
ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Back into the great Scott show on a Friday, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Getting back to our Pro Nola segment, it's Friday. Gus Gangio on the line with us. We talked a little pals. We're going to talk some Saints, but before we do, Gus, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been on your show a number of times, I guess, this season, and you've asked me quite a bit about. Billy Napier, before we get into the Saints, I haven't gotten your thoughts yet on Napier being at Florida, on LSU hiring Brian Kelly, and sort of the coaching carousel, Michael Desimo being promoted at UL. The coaching carousel that is, um, you know, college football here in the state of Louisiana. What's what's been the, uh, how, let me ask you this. How much has it been discussed over there in, in New Orleans? Obviously the Brian Kelly thing quite a bit, but... Was Napier discussed much when he took the Nate when he took the Florida job and and what have the calls been like over there at ESPN one hundred point three? Yeah, I would say obviously a lot more around the time of the, all the different decisions and callers calling in. Um, so yeah, I mean his name obviously came up. Look, you know how I feel. I, I haven't made it a secret. It's the worst secret ever. I had a love affair. I mean, I just I wanted him so bad. And it's not even like I, I, mean, I didn't go to LSU to Southern Miss. I just, uh, it just thinks that he leaves, leaves the stakes. I guess if that makes sense, right? Um, I think from the announcement, the way that both universities handled it, probably led by how he wanted it to be handled, is a stark, drastic difference on how couple miles east handle it. Now, I understand it to this perspective. I'm LSU. I want my coach. I want it now. As Brian Kelly said, when you look at certain situations, it's never going to be easy to do that. Lincoln Riley left as well. You know, you see Crystal Ball from Oregon do it. See, we've seen it do it. You can say he abandoned them and stuff, but there's no mistaking the purposeful way of social media videos, tweets of the players celebrating, sort of like over there at UL, Scott, you know, when Michael was introduced as the new head coach, you saw the reaction, players went up and were excited there was one of their own. Same thing with Notre Dame, you saw them embrace Marcus Freeman, not the case here. So, I, I think... Billy Napier, you and I talked about this on my show. I, I think he'll win a national championship. I truly, honestly do. And I think the way's already sort of started it, the hire Javar Jaluk, getting Corey Raymond yeah. away from LSU. Um, I was a massive topic yesterday, last night, earlier this morning, because it happened you know, yesterday afternoon with the Tigers assuming that he was going to stay. And... You know, insider saying it was about respect. He felt disrespected. And 
you know, now Coach Napier has two names in the world of recruiting when it comes to Louisiana, especially South Louisiana. So that makes a ton of sense, man. They're good coaches to people, too. And I don't know how else you can't look at it as, as something positive. You know, and Scott, it was just interesting, though. It was kind of one of the topics I was bringing up on Thursday on the show. I think fans need to breathe, relax. You guys got it a little bit better because it's in-house, ready to play a bowl game, won a conference championship. Um, but the constant fan assessment of the state of the program by the hour on Twitter based on commitments, decommitments, and staff hires by the fan bases of some of these schools is almost to the point where I want to shut off Twitter. I mean, it's awesome because it wasn't, it's not just LSU people upset at some of the decommitments. As much as Billy Napier's gotten good pubs, there are Gator fans that are, this guy's terrible. You see, he's not a, he's a terrible hire, doesn't know what he's doing because Florida lost two, three commitments. When you have different coaches going different places, it's going to make sense. Um, you know, when Mickey Joseph left LSU, a receiver left, decommitted, miraculously, within an hour, Nebraska offered him, you know, a scholarship. So he went there. I mean, it makes sense because as I've always told people, the photos you see, Coach Napier or Kelly or Nick Saban, who's in Shreveport earlier this week, well, I think it was Kendrick Law, um, those are the big guys. Those are the cherry on top of a recruiting class. The overwhelming majority, 70-80% of your roster, is recruited by the position coaches or the recruiting coordinator. That's why you saw Frank Wilson yesterday, finally, right? Saw something from LSU. He, there he is, shaking hands. You saw the deal he got. It's essentially like a head coaching job. Um, so that's how big that is. But your relationships are based with them. So it's a position coach. The recruiting coordinator leaves that school, one way, shape, or form, fired, got another job elsewhere. You can expect those commitments to decommit and all that stuff. And it just trips me up, man, because, like I said, every single year, you'll see it next Wednesday, Scott, early signing period, love the kids. Love, oh, this guy's going to do this. This guy's it. Then in February, this guy's it. First game of the season, drop pass, blown coverage, interception. They're bums. They want the next guy. I mean, look at LSU's quarterback room. It's a joke. A couple of years ago, you had what, Brennan, T.J. Finley, and Max Johnson, along with Nussmeyer coming in. Now they have Nussmeyer. Everybody thought it's gone. And literally, per quarterback, the fan base thought he was the savior. So... I don't, I don't know where fandom has gone right now, dude. It's almost unrealistic, and I feel for these kids to an extent, and that's why I was probably not as pro-transfer as I absolutely am now. Ain't no loyalty anywhere. Fans will turn on you. Coach can leave. I think players should do whatever's best for them. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus Kangale, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show Protola segment. Gus, the Saints. Are they? Let's just start right here with the Jets. Are the Are the Saints finally going to win a game? Will they snap their five game losing streak this Sunday? 
crazy you said that. Coming in the morning at the gym on our show this week as a question of the day on social media. How many games are the next five can the Saints win? Scott, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that's not even just me. That's Stedman to my left. That's, you know, people that called on the air. I don't know. Amy Just, Ross Jackson, John Hendricks, Saints guys, and ladies that cover the team. I can't say or I don't know. And that is a real answer because I don't know. And you can't know. You can say they're winnable games out of the five. I think the Jets is winnable. I think the Panthers is winnable. I think the Falcons are winnable. Miami's playing better. Uh, Miami's playing good. They won five in a row. Right. And I'd be shocked if you beat the Bucs. So they're just a better team, okay? Don't bring up they, they beat them. The wins that the Saints have had, Washington and before, literally were done by a completely different team that you're seeing take the field. Especially on offense. If that makes any sense. So when you look at it like that, that's why I don't know. Because I don't know. They're capable of it if they're healthy, if they play well. But we literally had a guest early in the week, last week. This was going into last week's game against Dallas. Saying, you know, that watching Saints football can be almost like a drinking game, but things are changed. Instead of taking a shot or celebrating, you know, sipping apple juice or whatever you want, you don't have to be alcoholic. Um, you celebrate a score. You're celebrating first downs. I mean, you're celebrating field goals like touchdowns. When, when you're doing that, when the Saints offense is playing, that's um. That's a drastic change from where it's been. You had Deontay Harris being suspended for two games. Look, I know I know Alvin Kamara is expected to be back this week. That's nice. But the line's banged up. Who's the receivers? I mean, again, I'm firing the defensive coordinators of those five teams if they don't put eight people to try to stop Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara looks like he'll finally be back. Ryan Ramchek will see. Theron Armstead, yes. Then you got Mark Ingram. Maybe not because of COVID. Cam Jordan never missed a game in his entire career. The the longest Ironman streak going for any non-specialist player in the NFL is Cam Jordan. That's in jeopardy. I mean, both guys are vaccinated. They need two negative tests, 24 hours apart to be able to play. But if they can't go... You finally get a few guys back, you lose a few more. Taysom Hill looks like he's going to play, but he's got a mallet finger. He's got a half-torn plantar fascia in his foot. He's got issues. The Jets aren't good. They've only won three games, but the Saints aren't good either. They've lost five in a row, and they are physically falling apart. You had some rest between, you know, longer rest between this upcoming game and last week, having it been on a Thursday. It, 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 you know me, guys. I mean, I've been on your show. I mean, you've been asking me every week, do you have the Saints winning this Sunday? And I've said no. I've said that during, I guess, four of these five. I mean, I thought they'd beat Atlanta. Uh, I didn't have them winning the other game. So I just, I don't think, like, I, I kind of lean toward yes because of Camara, but I get what you're saying in terms of I don't know. Because I don't know. I mean, I no one does. 
But what do you even expect? What is the game plan going to be? Is it going to be power run game? I mean, is that you're just going to go full power with Taysom, try to make something happen, mix it up? You're going to need to create turnovers. You're it, it, Because the Jets are so bad, obviously, look, the Saints are actually a five-and-a-half point betting favorite in this one, despite how beat up they've been. I, I think what happens here, Gus, I'm going to just say I think the Saints win, but I think what's going to come with that is maybe – Maybe some false hope for some of the fan base. It's like, all right, one down. You got to get a winning streak. Get some people back. Maybe you can do this. Maybe you can do that. I think they're going to win Sunday, but I also think it's going to give a lot of fans false hope because I don't think it's going to be anything sustainable. And if they lose to the Jets, I won't even be surprised. But the Jets are a turnover machine, and uh, if the Saints get a few, I, I think they can. I think they can sneak out of New York with a win, which isn't anything to you know bang your chest about because after all it's the jets but if you're the saints right now you, you take a win any way you can get it right absolutely and i think the other thing that's interesting too is sean payton this week back on wednesday he talked about the tackling on the team it hadn't been the best as of late and i think the defense is wearing down a bit Scott. i mean you're asking a lot for them you're having them on the field a ton and like i said i mean i wasn't joking when you're celebrating getting first down when you're celebrating just getting a field goal much less a touchdown man it's that's rough and look i it's crazy because i had a caller monday scott and he was all upset he was like wow i keep listening to your show you got callers hey we get this guy back we can make a run we can get the center seed really a game out because it is incredible to think one of two games go your way you win you literally go from both ends of the spectrum right if you lose to the Jets you're abysmal I mean you lost to the Jets I mean it's terrible if you win we're back in the playoff race Scott we're back in it I mean it's not that's where it is this year in the NFC so they are not out of it which is why I say if you win three of five I think you got a shot and, and see how it shakes out. But that said, when you look at all of the different, not only scenarios, but more importantly, seeing if the team can somehow sustain, like you're saying, success, does it make sense? Do you do it or not? I, the guy was calling basically Scott saying, hey, it wants to be a top 10 pick. So right now, the Saints, I think, is 13th or something. Essentially, they could technically above them are the Panthers and the Falcons. So if they lose both of those games, you could move into the top ten. If the Saints they win one of the next five, but I told them this. I said I understand what you're saying that you at least can reserve a spot in the top ten. You're not getting in the top five, so you're looking at best five to ten. Not even if you can get to six or five or seven. That said, when you look at it all. The history of the New Orleans Saints is a team that is very aggressive in the draft. They've moved up, diving forward, so you name it. This year, Scott, they tried per reports, even though Peyton denied it, but there were way too many reports. They tried to move in the top five, right, to go get one of those top corners. So this team, knowing they have some serious deficiencies, in certain areas, but are fixable quickly and will put the Saints right back in contention. I think this defense is good enough to be a playoff caliber defense, if not championship, with the right tinkering. I mean, you think of this, Scott. You have had a constant 
injury rotation, not a healthy rotation, at right defensive end. Say, turn. Marcus Davenport's been an IR. You know, Passanel's been on IR. We've literally had that many people on IR at that defensive end. Has it affected Cam Jordan? I don't know. Um, but you haven't had anybody healthy on the other side. I think Father Time's caught up to Cam Jordan. So, say your defensive ends are healthier next year. Maybe you put one on the left end, one on the right end. Or you go get You found some corners that you're comfortable with. The salary cap's going up to 208, which means you can keep Marcus Williams and still go shopping. Because of that money, you can offer Aaron Rodgers. You can offer Russell Wilson. That might help your quarterback situation. The draft is chock full of receivers. I love Traylon Brooks from Arkansas. Big physical receiver with some speed. But they, they got a ton of them. We can go get the receiver. I mean, depth at the O-line you can find in the second, third round. It's not first if you feel that. You and I have talked about it. What are you doing with Toronto Armstead next year? Are you giving him another big contract extension? I'm not. He's never healthy. So, then do I move Ram check to left? Find another tackle in the draft or free agency? There's a lot of things you can do. So, I understand they tank it, but I also understand this. That culture, that environment that helped them win the previous that has kept them together is one that doesn't know anything other than ever do everything you can to try to win. So, not tanking. You may just lose good attrition. You may just lose because they don't have the players. And that could be our best for the girls. But in the Saints are going to try to win. And quite honestly, like I told the caller, I'd rather cover a team in the playoff hunt and playing in the playoffs than not. You know what I'm saying? So, I want them to win. I still think no matter what, Saints are going to make some noise in the offseason. They'll definitely make some noise in the draft. I totally believe that. Gus Cagliel, our guest, it's ESPN Lafayette. Who, who is, who's the starting quarterback next year for the Saints? You, you said Russell Wilson. Obviously, they would have to give up a ton to get him. And the cap, I know we make jokes in Mickey Loomis math, and the cap is going up. It's still a big cap hit, so you would have to lose some of the talent you have to, to get him. And, you know, right now the Saints don't have a ton of talent like they have in the past. So I, I think it would be great. I certainly think there's interest there. I think Jameis Winston is going to be the starter week one next year on a one-year deal. Uh, that's my prediction here. And granted, it's subject to change based on if new information comes in. But but here on December 10th, that's where I'm rolling. Who do you think is the Saints starting quarterback to start the 2022 season? I think if I was like laying money and odds, um, I w- yeah, I'm with you. I think you could see a path. You could see a way that would make then that Jameis Winston is your starter simply because he won it last year, played well enough. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think of how many times I've actually heard Sean Payton say I cried when I you know, saw him in the locker room. Like, you know, so there's an attachment to the player in terms of I think he, he believes in him and trusts him to an extent, right? Um, I think, again, as we've talked about in the past, the over-evaluation of the receiver position cost the Saints this year. Probably cost how careful he was. And again, but we also talked about, and even Drew did, um, at the TPC and also during Sunday Night Football. You know, when he first got here in 2006, this offense wasn't 
bombs away. They're 10 and 6. They won games with defense, making some plays, coming back in the fourth quarter. It was in the next couple of years that you saw Drew's familiarity, Drew's comfort, better receiving play. Colson won the rookie. You know, Lance Moore went from special teams by the time they went to the Super Bowl to a third down receiver. You had Meacham that was ready to go. Devery was better at catching the football. I mean, it took some time. So I don't think you can make an evaluation on Jameis and say, nope, he's not good enough to be the quarterback on this team with this system based off the absolute untalented roster he had. But you did see... You, you saw glimpses, right? You saw that he could hit Deontay Harris. You saw that if, you know, the tight end can catch the ball is there. I mean, Jawan Johnson had a game with a couple of TDs. You saw some plays. So if he comes back and, man, I'm telling you, I know somebody that supposedly is next to him, and that guy keeps telling everybody he's not playing for the sketch. I don't know if that's true or not, or if that's just, you know, people making things up. But um, if he plays – and they go get another receiver, that's enticing to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Wilson, because those two guys then can say, look at what Jameis is able to do, these other guys, the amount of games Sean's been able to win, it's a quarterback-friendly system, Sean Payne's the quarterback-friendly coach, there's communication, which seems to be the number one thing that a lot of these quarterbacks feel that they don't get, um, you know, from a lot of their organizations. So... I think you're going to have a shot. It depends if Aaron Rodgers wants to go back to California and play for San Francisco. It seems to be a destination. Um, I don't know if he trusts Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if he's getting much better with LaFleur. Uh, you know, from the people that cover the 49ers, they, they don't believe that that guy's a good coach. But can that offense sort of succeed? I don't know. Got a good defense. I keep hearing a lot about Pittsburgh. Obviously, the respect for Tomlin. I think one of the Aaron Rodgers with is not only their relationship, the offense, but playing inside for nine games. Scott, you know, you don't nice. have to play in the cold. You don't have to play in the elements. You don't have to play in the weather. Sure. That could maybe sort of help that arm a little bit. I mean, look, look at Tampa with, with Tom Brady. I know it's outside, but it's warm. You know, your, your muscles are a little looser in the heat and humidity, Scott, than in the cold, you know, temperatures up in uh, New England and Pittsburgh and Green Bay and stuff. So, um, you know, the sunlight and, and the warmth, I don't know. But he, you know, he looks like he's on his way to an MVP or Aaron Rodgers. So, look, you're, you're, you're blowing up the phone for Aaron. Then you're making a call for Russell. And if those two things don't happen, because like you said, those are kind of out of your control in terms of what is Seattle going to request. Or they're sitting here saying, we know what we have, and we're going to ask for the farm, which they should. Are you willing to give the fine? That's up to you, but not in control of the asking price. Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be up to him. You can make a pitch. But with Jameis Winston, you do have control. With Jameis Winston, you can't offer him. I think he would probably be a two-year deal, Scott. I know what you're saying, a one, prove it here. But if I'm the player, you know, I'm going to try to at least get a two in case of injury, in case of something like that. But, yeah, I could see absolutely that. I, you know he wants to come back. And you know that there's an attachment already with the coach. So the realistic starting quarterback next year is Jameis Winston, I think. And because then that way you can really go shopping and go do a lot of different things. Uh, the wish list, obviously, is Aaron Rodgers and probably second Russell Wilson. 
ESPN Lafayette, Gus Cangale, our guest. All right, Gus, I, I got to ask you this question, and, and then I'm going to let you run, and I got to give it its proper credit. So you and I both know Ralph Malbro. Uh, Ralph used to work at the same company we worked for m- many years ago, and Ralph hosts the Saints Happy Hour podcast with their crew, and one of the guys on that podcast, Dave, he posed this question that it, it's it's too funny not to ask you. Uh, Kenny Stills was 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 released this past week by the Saints, and uh, he was released even though even after they lost Deontay Harris for three games. So when you're released on top of losing Harris for a team with receivers that are this below average, I think that's pretty telling. If Jason David were to guard Kenny Stills, who, who who's making the play? How does this play end here? I mean, that credit to Boy, Dave for that um, question, but that's that's a great one. Having watched, I, I you know what I'm, I'm I don't know if it's worse than Toast Thomas, right? I mean, wasn't Fred Toast Thomas hey, was his name? Tom, I mean, but Thomas at least had some seasons under Haslett where he was he was okay. I mean, in two seasons, poor Jason David, he was a pro. He he handled it. You know, he never ran from it. But man, I mean, you're talking about two of the worst seasons by a, by a DB in Saints history. I mean, I I, I think Kenny Stills, I mean, the way he was playing this year, I feel like I feel like he would have just I feel like the ball would have bounced off of Kenny Stills' hands, and then Jason David would have you know just he would have been five yards away from him, but he would have gotten the interception. Like that's where I'm going with it. Would bounce off of Stills' hands. Bounce off of Stills' hands, and Day- uh, Day- David would have uh, gotten the interception, even though he was five yards away. He'd probably returned it for a touchdown or something. Tell you what, that, that is an interesting matchup. I, I would say this: I mean, Kenny did make some plays early on in his career, stuff. So, I mean, I guess if you're going the first run, I'm talking about present. Time, I'm talking about yeah. this year's Kenny Stills. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I that guy make any catches for the Saints? I don't understand it, man. I. It's just, it's crazy. When, when you look at the way this season is gone, it's almost like literally some guys have forgotten how to play football. I, I honestly, it's mind-boggling, you know? And look, that catch that Sean is a little upset about in Dallas, I wasn't exactly the easiest throw and the easiest spot. I mean, I guess you can argue, man, you're in the NFL, hit your hands, you catch it. I get it. That thing had no arc on it. In between two defenders. I mean, it's, that wasn't like, you know, dropping a screen pass or, you know, wide open route where you're just standing there. But, you know, whether it was Winston, whether it was Trevor, whether it was Payson, Kenny still didn't catch the ball for anybody. So I, I guess if I had to make a choice, I honestly still would say still. All right. There he is. Be stills my heart. That is Gus Kangel, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. <laughs> We got to let you run, my friend. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Good to catch up. Uh, we'll do it again next week, a week after. We won't because uh, we'll be uh, out and about for the Christmas holiday. And then the week after that, we got New Year's. So at some point, we'll try to get you in maybe uh, the second half of the month, maybe on a different day. But in the meantime, man, I'm going to let you get back to the workout. Uh, check out Gus every weekday, noon to 3, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Online, follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17, G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. And if you want to send him a Christmas present, Cracklins from this great area in Acadiana are always welcome in his stocking. 
And, you know, look, I, I watched the Santa Claus earlier this week, you know, with Tim Allen, and you know, he was standing on that way with Christmas cookies and milk, man. I, I think I could I could make a good run. He, I mean, he would put on like 40 pounds in two days or in a week. So, What's your you know, favorite Christmas movie? Is that is that your What's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, that's crazy. I, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, I like that one. It was a good one. We watched Home Alone on a team bus. Home Alone's classic. In Denver. It's classic. That was always, I mean, it honestly is a good one. We watched the one in New York, which is oh, a good one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've seen that one. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. I've seen the original many times. I mean, my kid thinks it's the funniest thing ever, just adults in pain. What's your yeah. favorite Christmas movie? Uh, you know, I, I, I go between, like, It's a Wonderful Life and then Bad Santa. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, there's they're very different movies. <laughs> they're very different movies. Yeah. But they're very both they're both movies. they're both brilliant, you know? I feel like they're both yeah. classics in, in their own right. That's just me. <laughs> See, now you're going to make me want to watch Bad Santa. Um, Why, you know, White I, Christmas, I you, it's, a, it's an old musical. Most people listening, right. you know, they probably don't listen to old musicals. But White Christmas, I mean... No, snow, snow, snow. I, I do. I mean, it's classic. I do still like the. Um, no, I just had it in my head. It's uh, Master Land Boom's Christmas vacation is always funny. It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's, that's a good one. That's a good I one. I mean, the tree catching on fire. I mean, it's just that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a Christmas story. I mean, it shoots your eye out. I, I honestly can never always just. I love it, you know? Oh, fudge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fudge. Oh, I mean, I, man. You know, I mean, because all Carver wants from Santa Claus is the Hot Wheels Ultimate Girl. I mean, he memorizes the entire commercial word for word. There's, you know, Daddy, I've got to have the Ultimate Hot Wheels car garage with the dinosaur, and it's got to be built, and Santa's got to put it by the tree. So, I mean, you know, I understand. There, 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 the BB gun? Yeah. I, I I never got into it as much as a lot of people did, but I know it's I know it's a favorite. Like when we were young, we watched a movie a lot that no one listening has probably ever seen. It was called One Magic Christmas. It's from like nineteen eighty five. Mary Steenburgen's in it, and like it's basically like she she's hating life, and then she re- like as negative as she is, and and their their family struggling. And it's rated G, but it was very dramatic as a kid because it wouldn't be rated G now. There's a sequence where like has to stop a bank robbery and he gets shot and killed, and the like bank robber like drives off with her children. And it's very dramatic. It's very sad. But then she starts to sort of appreciate life more. And there's this angel that it steals the it's a wonderful life thing. Like the angel lets her go back. And so then it goes back to, you know, Christmas Eve and her husband's there and the kids are there. And now she's reliving this day, appreciating sort of Christmas and what it's all about. And she gets this totally different perspective. So it's actually a very feel good movie, but a ton when I was a kid. And I don't know, it's 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 old. No one's heard of it. But if you're looking for a new Christmas movie this year, maybe give it a shot. Although if you're watching with young, young children and you see rated G, just be warned. They might be they 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 might be, um, you know, a little traumatized whenever they see someone get shot and kids get kidnapped. They don't they don't they don't make G movies like that anymore, Gus. No, I, I'll say this. I also like Scrooge. Scrooge is a good one. Too. Classic, classic. A Bill Christmas Murray. Carol. I mean, just the the, the original one with that, with George C. Scott, you know, as Ebenezer Scrooge. See, now now we're totally deep down the rabbit hole of Christmas movies. I'm not going to do the dumb, diehard question that everyone asks. I'm going to let you run. I ask you that, though. I mean, that, that's the key. <laughs> you find it a Christmas movie or not, right? I mean, 
It's uh, I like the Die Hard movie. Of so course. Anytime I can watch right. Die Hard, and if you want to put it in the seasonal serial things, because I mean it does take place. I, I die, <laughs> the best Die Hard movie is Die Hard Three with a Vengeance. I love that one. Jeremy Irons is terrific. Bruce, I love that Die Hard movie. The original is great too. Oh, yeah. Give me Die Hard Three all day. Gus Cattingale, every Friday right here, Ponola segment. We're going to let you run, my friend. All the best. Uh, again, happy belated birthday to your son. I know he celebrated year number five this past week. We'll talk to you again next week, man. All the best, and I'll, uh, I'll catch you soon. Thank you as always, Scott. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for our Pronola segment with Gus Cattingale. Take a timeout. Come back. Open up phone lines, 269-1077. We'll take a look at NFL Week 14 matchups, make our picks. State championship games coming up this weekend. Westgate is playing. We're going to uh, hit on uh, Cajun Hoops as well. They got games this weekend, both uh, both the uh, the men and the women. So that's all coming your way. little Home Alone theme for you here. Why not? This is the great Scott Show on a Friday. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette the best ticket in sports? Oh, one more teaser for you. A man, Chris Lano, Rage Cajun analyst. A lot of Cajun fans out there rooting for Cincinnati in the college football playoff because they want to see a G5 team somehow do it. He brought up a good point to me that I hadn't even thought about. Of maybe why Cajun fans should root against Cincinnati. I'll explain next. ZSP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL, Lafayette. ESPN 1033, K277DQ, Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S, to the P, to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour. Starting this hour a little later than normal, but hey, give me all you got. It's Friday. Got a lot of emails about Christmas movies. I mean, Gus and I talked about it for like three minutes. I got eight messages. If you want to chime in, our Facebook page is the way to do it. ESP and Lafayette on Facebook. If you're not following us there, why not? Got the question up for you. It's not a sports question, but it's debated like one. What's the best Christmas movie ever? And uh, the comments are really starting to pile up. So hit us up over there. Streaks, man. Streaks are such a big part of sports. No, I'm not talking about Will Ferrell and old school. Let's go streaky. No, streaks. Right? The longest win streak in the NFL. The Patriots are at six right now. That's the lead. You watched Ben Roethlisberger last night almost 
will the Steelers back in the second half. The Vikings were trying to pull the Falcons, but just couldn't quite do it. Nobody can do it like the Falcons. But Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, he's had the streak for a long time for most wins as a rookie. He's owned it. Over the last 35 years, 13. Mac Jones, well, he's now up to what, six? Climbing up the charts. He'd need to get to eight to get to Kyle Ord and 11 to get to Prescott. He ain't getting to Big Ben. Streaks. Who has the longest winning streak in college football? The Cincinnati Bearcats. You know, it's pretty high on that list, huh? Louisiana with 12. So, Chris Lotto pointed it out to me the other day. If, let's say for the sake of this argument, the Cajuns win the Arnold Carries New Orleans Bowl and they are a favorite to beat Marshall right now. And if you want a rundown of all of the events surrounding the New Orleans Bowl, you can head to our website or app ESPN Lafayette and learn about it. And NOLA Bowl Week is just about here. But getting back to my point, that win streak is then up to 13. Now, I say I say Cincinnati. Cincinnati is, is, is number two on the list. Georgia is number one. Now, Cincinnati, if they beat Georgia, would snap that. Of course, they wouldn't be able to play Georgia until the national title game. Let's say Michigan beats Georgia. Say Cincinnati loses to either Alabama or then either Michigan. You you, you got a very, well, what am I talking about? Georgia had the longest win streak. I'm so stupid. They lost to Bama. So right now, the longest win streak is Cincinnati. Cincinnati. There were another other schools ahead of Louisiana recently, right? Georgia was, they dropped one to Bama. UTA, UTSA was, they lost. Houston was, they lost to Cincinnati. Ohio State was only a game behind the Cajuns for longest active win streak. Then they lost to Michigan. So Cincinnati sitting atop longest win streaks in college football with 13. Sole possession to first place. Sole possession to second place is Louisiana with 12. Sorry about my brain freeze on a Friday. I'm usually good for one or two of those every show. And then I snap out of it. I'm like, what am I talking about? Georgia just lost. So the longest win streak is, is, is Cincinnati. If Louisiana wins and they're up to 13 and Cincinnati doesn't win the college football national championship in I'll be honest, I'm, I still hope they do. I think it'd be cool if a G5 did. But but a lot of Cajun fans don't. Why? Because they want to have an entire offseason promoting the fact that the longest active win streak in college football belongs to Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. That's it. So there might be some Cajun fans saying, okay, Cincinnati, glad you made it, but uh, roll tide. I won't be saying that, but a lot of Cajun fans will. Thanks to Chris Lano for pointing that out to me. Let me get to LSU for a minute. 
Brian Kelly has been there for what? 12 days? 11 days. And the guy's just a heat magnet for some of the fan base. He can't do anything right. Oh, he said family funny. Oh, he's 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 running off. Wait, Corey Raymond went the floor. Are you kidding me? And then he didn't retain Kevin Falk. And Kevin, being from here, and I know you know many of you love him and know him and root for him. And a lot of people are like, "What the hell are you doing?" And Max Johnson decides to transfer. And, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you doing, guys? Take a breath. LSU is coming off back to back five hundred seasons. Okay. If they want to continue to have, you know, a long streak of non-losing seasons that would have, you'd have to go all the way back to Jerry DiNardo's final year, the last time they had one. You're going to have to beat Kansas State, you know, with a, probably a, a, a four-string quarterback. Unless they want to throw a Nussmeyer's red shirt out. I mean, you're on the verge of a losing season. My point is this. By LSU standards, back-to-back 500 seasons are not acceptable. Throw in the Title IX issues. Throw in... Everything surrounding the program right now. That's why Coach O was fired. You hire a guy. Many of you call an outsider. Okay, you hired Nick Saban was an outsider. A lot of outsiders that come to a new place. I don't. I don't know if Brian Kelly is going to be great or terrible. I know this. You can't hire a coach and say go win games, but with all of these conditions. Win these games, but you have to do it. By keeping this person and that person. And you have to do it this way and that way and this way and that way and this way and that way. I don't know if if not retaining Falk is going to be a good move. And I don't blame any of you for thinking it'll be a bad move. It might turn out to be that way. But you cannot hire a coach at LSU, pay him all that money and say, you still have to do it with all of these conditions in place. Will it work? We'll find out. We'll find out. But whether it works or doesn't work, don't you want to be able to, if you're Scott Woodward or the administration, don't you want to be able to say, well, it didn't work and you did it your way and it didn't work. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be able to say, well, I mean, I tried to make it work, but y'all had all these restrictions on me. Y'all made me do it this way and that way. They hired him to do his job. You let him do his job. Let him do his job. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Give me all you got on a Friday. Phone lines are lit up. 269-1077. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Well, good morning. What's up? Okay. With, uh, with the Cincinnati thing. I dadgum sure don't want them to go out there and, and get blown out by Alabama. I mean, even if they lose, I want them to play a, play a good game. And I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, Scott, I, I think I think Cincinnati's going to win that game. I'd sign up for that. I'm good with that. I hope it happens. I mean, you know, UL streaks aside, honestly, I, I want Cincinnati to win the whole thing because they're be, they're going to be great. To your point, I know where you're going with it. Yeah. They're going to be graded on a curve no matter what, which which they shouldn't be because they've already made it. 
It's not about what happened. Like right. Mich- Michigan State got rolled when they got the college football playoff, and oh, they didn't deserve to be there. No, it had nothing to do with the game itself. It's what did you do before that point? Like so, they've already they already have their yeah. spot which they earned. But you know as well right. as I do, if they if they get rolled, every you know, I mean, the critics are going to be out. Oh, yeah. The college they football playoff committee will use well. it against every yeah. G five from here on out. Even when they expand it to twelve, they're going to make sure they give a G five oh, yeah. the worst possible seed, so they can always be like, oh, remember what Cincinnati did. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because, uh, but but you see, they won't look at what Alabama did to Georgia in that last uh, game that they had together. But I, I, I'm gonna tell you, Alabama is not that good. They are not that good by their own they standards. By their own standards. I mean, I think I think they're I think they're well, I think they're really good. But typical, they're not number one Alabama good. They're not, they're, no, they're not. They're not quote the best team in the country hands down right they're not right they're they're very beatable they mm-hmm. are very very beatable okay this isn't uh, uh you know all you know what you like you said a nick saban juggernaut uh but on, on to the next point that you you were making uh i i just got one thing to say for those lsu fans that, that are out there that thought that was going to be just a plug and play situation that Ed was the only issue and that, you know, we just going to get rid of Ed and plug this other guy in here and going to go about our business and win three more national titles. Uh-uh. No. That ain't the way it works. And, and now here's the situation, Scott. They're sitting there. They wanted to wipe out. Let's get rid of all of this. We, we, you know, and, and let, let's face it. It was all... I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Well, now you don't have a single person left, not one, that had anything to do with any of the three national titles that you won in the century. That man has wiped every single one of those people off of the play, off of, off the off the chessboard. Now you're starting again. You got a whole new thing. So when you kept talking about LSU fan, how easy it was going to be to win another national title, you were starting out with a whole new, completely new, brand new program and about maybe 35 players. I don't know how many players are going to have left by the time they get done transporting or transferring out of through that transport tunnel or whatever they want to call it. I tell you one thing, they better have some maintenance people there because it's going to be, they're going to end up burning that thing up between now and next fall. But bottom line is, hey, this is what you wanted. It's what you asked for. And now you got exactly what you wanted because you wasn't satisfied. You didn't give a man enough time to rebuild his program. And he actually could have possibly won you nine games this year if you left him alone and give him some support, but they didn't. And that ought to be a lesson to UL fan. If Mike has, you know, any time a coach has to establish his own self, even in a situation like Mike, you might have to have a little time to succeed. Now, the first game, I'm looking for a whipping. But after that, you got to retool. You go, or you got to, you know, you're reloading at that point. And there's a lot of reloading to do. And you're going to have to have a little patience, whoever you are. Because 13-1 and seasons are like 15-0 and seasons. They don't come around that often. 
Later, Chief. Thank you. All right. Have a good weekend, Kyle. Call to Coach Mitch. Let's do it. Good morning. How are you? Welcome into the show. Hey, good morning, Scott. Hey, Scott. Great information y'all are sharing. I want to jump on something that he just said. It's in reference to uh, being patient. You know, college football right now, it's costing universities, I'm going to say. Maybe the taxpayers and the alums and all these folks that have invested their money into these institutions where sports is concerned, they own boards, et cetera. They don't have time for all this waiting, especially when waiting comes with the fact that the coach or the former coach has a record of messing things up in the community, just giving a bad reputation to the university. Um, when those things begin to happen, Change gotta happen. Well, as far as keeping, as far as keeping coaches too, you know, it's not always good to keep everybody that came from the university that we all know. When change needs to happen, you gotta almost clean the whole house, purge it, clean it, and bring in the guys and gals that can do the same job, which is football. You gotta bring in new people that know the operation of doing football and give them a chance to do it the right way because that's the main thing to me. If you find somebody that will do it the right way, you know, it's easy to win in college football. You can it's go not, pick up everybody on the street, bring easy. them in, and you'll win probably. But more than likely, you'll have the police on campus every day. You'll have so much problems that that's not the way you want to win. You want to do it right. So I agree, clean the house, purge it. I'm not knocking no coach, nobody by name. I know most of their name. I will not knock it. But if it's time, then purge the whole thing, start again, throw out that old paper, and begin again. And I'll close with this. You know, guys, it's not changing. The NCAA, college football, that's been, it's been going this way for a long time. Some people like it this way. Because there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of things that people have their hand in that shouldn't have their hand in. Let's remember the high school kids and the elementary kids and the middle school kids. <sighs> we are priming our children up to one day participate in mm -hmm. college sports and athletics yeah. and academics. Well, guys, we need to fix this in the country. Because why should our here. kids keep going into this tornado or this bad storm called NCAA sports where we, the adults, now see <sighs> all the issues, y'all. And I'm not knocking it because I like it. We got a lot of fixing to do. All right, so Coach. everybody that's willing to fix it, I'm going to close with this. Everybody that's willing to fix it, close fix it. it. For the third Support time. high school football, guys. We're playing in the state championship games at UL. At the, at the Superdome this weekend, guys. Support the kids. They're looking for y'all. Thank you. <laughs> all right. First of all, I don't think it's easy to win in college football. I think it's very difficult. And, yes, you can take shortcuts, and that would be a bad idea. And I'm not, I, I'm not sitting here saying Brian Kelly should or shouldn't clean house or purge everything. He's not purging everything. Brad Davis will be retained, and I'm sure there will be a couple of people there. But <clears throat> my my point of the Brian Kelly thing was – don't demand a coaching change. Then when it happens, get mad at the coach for not starting the exact way you think they should. 
you bring in a new coach, they're going to do things their way, especially when it's, it's especially when he's replacing a coach that was fired. If the situation is, well, you're coming in because you're promoting from within, or you're coming in uh, and and you're trying to keep you know winning intact because the other coach left for the NFL, or the other coach left for another job, or a P five job, or whatever it might be. But when you're replacing somebody that that was fired because the team hasn't had a winning record since the dream season, and they've had lots of other issues away from the field that are very notable, when the new guy comes in, and I, I get it that it's more emotional than anything else. Tommy Moffat had been at LSU for a long time. He's like the the granddaddy of strength and conditioning. Okay? I get it. Obviously, I understand Kevin Falk. He's from here. A lot of friends, a lot of family. I have a lot of respect for Coach Falk. You know, Corey Raymond was known as the guy that was like, you know, hey, how did they get to DBU? And so you you get these attachments, and I, I understand that if you're a fan... But when you hire a new head coach to come in anywhere, you got to let them do it their way. Will it work or not? The wins and losses will prove whether it works or not. All right? The future will prove whether it works or not. Right now, I don't think you can hire a head coach and have a bunch of strings attached. You know, Billy Napier is at Florida right now. We all know that other schools have went, went chasing him in the past, one of which was Auburn. And one of the things Auburn wanted to do, and they had a whole lot of boosters, and they had a whole lot of hands in the cookie jar, was you take this job, you got to keep this guy as a DC, and you got to keep this guy, and you got to keep that guy. And Billy said, sorry, you know, I appreciate, you, the, the, I appreciate the chat, but I will pull myself out of the name for this vacancy. Y'all have a nice day. And they went in another direction. They had Brian Harson from Boise State. You got to let them do it. You got to let them build it. Oh, Scott, what if what if when Billy Napier had gotten to UL four years ago and he didn't want to keep Coach Des? That would have been his right. He did. He kept two people around. He kept Michael Desimone. He kept Troy Wingard. And I would say that was a good decision. I would say most of the decisions, maybe, you know, that, that Coach Napier made when he was at UL worked out. But whatever they were, Keeping some, telling others, hey, you got to go. You got to let them do it that way. And it doesn't work in every instance. Will it work at LSU? We'll see. Brian Kelly's won a lot of games at Notre Dame. We'll see if it works at LSU. Let's take one more phone call before the break. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Hey, man. I'm hearing a, you know, hearing a lot, little bit of panic going into next year for UL football and... You know, when you really look at it, but there's no player transfers, the core of our offense comes back. And at the quarterback position, I think we'll be perfectly fine. It may be an upgrade in some areas. I love Levi a lot. I think that he left some plays on the field, as in any quarterback does. But I think also to keep his turnovers down, he didn't take chances where I think that we might see more possibility in that area next year. And I'm, I'm not that worried about next year at all. Well, I hope you're right, and um, win, win a week from Saturday. Cincinnati loses, ride the longest win streak in college football in the next season. It's not like you're opening at, at Florida next year. You know, I mean, you can, you can keep this win streak going for a while, uh, but you got to take care of business a week from Saturday, man. You got to get that bowl in. 
Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for that, my man. And thank you all for taking my call. And I'll end it with, we are Louisiana. Believe that. All right. There's a Cajun fan for you. For those of you that are curious for inquiring minds, the non-conference schedule for UL next year, they open at home against Southeastern. A week later, they host Eastern Michigan. Then they are on the road a week after that playing at Rice. And their, uh, quote, guarantee game is on November 19th against Florida State, who is hasn't exactly, um, they're not exactly at the, the, the peak of their powers right now when you talk about Florida State football. When we come back, take a quick time out. We'll open up phone lines again. Unfortunately, a tragic story from the world of sports we need to report. Tell you about it next. It's ESPN Lafayette. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Listen, all you New Yorkers. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Forty after the hour. Demarius Thomas has passed away. He was thirty-three years old. Uh, cause of death is uh, not yet been revealed. Spent nine of his ten years in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. You might remember him from. When Peyton Manning was there and may remember him maybe most notably for the, the Tebow catch and touchdown in overtime in a win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, according to uh, the latest report, the death may have been a medical issue. Uh, a first cousin who grew up with Demarius told the AP that he had been suffering from seizures for the last year, and uh, they are of the belief that he had a seizure while showering, but um, said she just talked to him yesterday. Uh, Autopsy will be performed to uh, determine for sure, but that is incredibly sad. And I I know people die every day. we're a sports radio station, so when it's someone from the world of sports, we cover it. And you know, every one of his teammates keep talking about his heart and how he was as a person. And um, thirty-three, man, thirty-three had a heck of a career: seven hundred twenty-four catches, nine thousand seven hundred sixty-three yards, sixty-three touchdowns, played ten seasons. Uh, shy. Off the field, but 
Heck of a player. Had a great career. Ran for his family. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Uh, did you get your interview with uh, the running back for uh, Louisiana? Uh, I'm gonna, Eisen I'm show? gonna, I'm looking for it online right now to post on our website. Yeah, I know Imani Bailey was on the Rich Eisen show, but yes. Yeah, I heard the, uh, I heard the opening. I think that was the two o'clock hour, and then I think I dozed off, <laughs> uh, so I didn't get a chance to hear it. Um, all right. So you're looking for it. I'm looking for it online. I know Rich posts most of them. So, uh, yeah, at some point we'll probably have it up on our website, yeah. What made him interview him? That's what I wanted to Get a running back from a team that has the second longest win streak, I guess, probably to also ask questions about Billy Napier. Um, You know, Billy's been in the news nationally quite a bit in the last 12 days. Uh, Yeah. So, Amani, speaking of Amani, man, his his second half last week was – I mean, uh, he had 11 total yards in the first half. He had well over 100 in the second uh, ground and, and, and through the air. And there was a third and seven run late in that game where he just hit the hole so hard, just got enough to move the sticks. And it was, you know, that was, it was a big moment. It was – they were able to, you know, not, not wind down all the time. And I know Ab got the ball back one more time with about 28 seconds left. But I feel like Amani really put that game on ice last week. Hey, one more thing. Why why Kyle keeps ignoring the the fact that that Audra didn't get rid of him because of his win and loss record? Like he keeps ignoring that fact that like there were other there were other things going on that basically led to his demise. Well, I I don't know that I agree with you because I think if he had kept if he wasn't five hundred, everyone would have looked past those other things. I mean, that's unfortunately that, some of that stuff. Rape allegations. You letting that slide. You can't. You can look past that. I mean, there was a, there there was there was there was not definitive proof in the investigation that he didn't he he did in fact just say, "Oh, you were raped." I didn't know. I, I, there was no there was no definitive evidence that he covered anything up. I'm not. I don't know if he was or wasn't. What I'm telling you is, if you if you're winning a lot in college football, unless there is overwhelming definitive evidence to suggest that you are responsible for something terrible and heinous that happened. They're going to let you keep coaching. Yeah. Because if, if not, if, if the evidence had been that that overwhelming and that definitive, he would have been fired on the spot. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's just my opinion. I'm not, I, don't, I don't even think it's right, but whenever you're winning, folks look past stuff. And when you're not, all these, well, maybe you are and maybe it's your fault, all the things get used as a way to sort of justify why you're actually doing it. And in the end, you know, in college football, not all, but most schools care about winning more than other stuff. And we have plenty of history to suggest, you know, that that's the case. And in some cases it's, it's awful. It's terrible. I mean, what happened at Baylor under Art Bryles is, is sick, you know, and if he hadn't been winning games, he would have been fired long before any of all of those cover-ups and that entire culture that was going on over there. Yeah, that's a good example. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. ESPN Lafayette, good morning. Welcome into the show. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Good. What's up? Hey, they uh, they interviewed the running back because they gave him something. Rich Eisen's had a program this year, apparently. He's given away, giving him a sponsor, giving him a, what's that, uh, image, you know. 
All right, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Right, so he won he won the award for that week. I got you. Well, that's cool. I I, yeah, I haven't got gotten that. to hear it. I, I haven't gotten to hear it yet. But no, I appreciate you letting me know. Um, that's awesome. Shoot, that's awesome, man. I mean, it was a nice interview. I heard the whole, whole thing. It was it was a very good interview. That's great. I mean, he interviewed University. Elijah Mitchell a couple weeks ago too. So, uh, Cajun yeah. running backs, current and former, have uh, have been featured on the Rich Eisen show here over the last couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Thank you. Both of them played for Jabbar Luke. That guy's a great coach. Speaking of coaches, Coach Ryan Antoine will uh, lead Westgate, the Tigers, tonight, the fifth seed in Class 4A to a state championship appearance at the Caesars Superdome. Westgate taking on Warren Easton. Westgate has never won a state championship in football. Warren Easton hasn't won a state championship since 1942. And for Westgate, you know, at the beginning of the season, they lost their quarterback to an injury, and they put Jordan Doucette in there, and the guy's such an incredible athlete. And all this season, Doucette has passed for 1,686 yards and 16 touchdowns and rushed for 1,176 yards and 14 touchdowns. Oh, and he's also he's also caught seven passes for 204 yards and a pair of scores. The guy's responsible for 32 touchdowns this year. And, I mean, I, for them to get past Edna Carr a week ago and get to the state championship game for the first time ever. But they got one more left, and it's going to be difficult because Warren Easton has outscored opponents this year in the playoffs 244-36. to They have been dominating. They beat Neville, the two-seed last week, in their big rival, 45-17. to So, good luck tonight to Westgate. They're the only team in the area that's uh, that's playing for a state championship this weekend. I know LCA was playing last week. And speaking of LCA, shout out to Austin Rope Show, getting the uh, coaching job there. Certainly has more character than the last coach that they hired as the baseball coach there. But... Good luck. Good luck, Coach Antoine. Good luck, Jordan Doucet. Good luck to the Westgate Tigers tonight. Let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome in. Hey. Hi. Am I back up? Yeah, go ahead, Okay. Kyle. Okay, so I got an answer back for Jay. How about, if, how about if the majority or all of that stuff was made up live to make Ed Ogeron look bad because the administration – i.e. Scott Woodard wanted to get rid of him. Well, that's, How about that? That investigation started before wait. Woodward was even yeah. the AD there, Kyle. So I don't, that, oh, does, well, that does not well, hold up. Well, okay. I'm going to tell you two things that I know were lies that were, that were purported to be truth. One of them was that he hit up on the pregnant lady at the gas station. That was a lie. That was that was okay, but that but that was that, that was a the newspaper. One, that wasn't wait, part of on. the investigation. That was different come than on, what he was come referencing. Come on, come on, 
Come on, the, the WBRZ story about him having baby mamas over the practice was totally okay. Found so, which, which, all right, all right, you're right. No, you're, you're, look, players. look, listen, listen, listen. That's different. Some that's different trans, than what trans, he was brought. That he was not bringing up two things from a paper. He was talking about the Title IX investigation. Oh, we talking about from a paper. We talking about from a TV station being. Oh, I'm sorry, a TV station instead of a newspaper. There is a very big oh, difference between those two things and a Title IX investigation. If you wanted that, well, Scott, you know well enough. You know well enough. That if that if it, that if LSU wanted that man fired for printing that lie against that coach, they could have his job today. You know it, and they they didn't do anything to that man because okay. that was all part of what Scott Woodward wanted to if, do. If to that, that, that's that's fine, that's fine if you that, that's, that's listen, listen, that's fine if you want to believe that. That's not what he was calling in reference to earlier. A TV station saying, oh, there were women at practice. And yes, those stories came out whenever the season looked like it was starting to go south. And maybe someone planted it. And you can believe that. And I won't even suggest to you that you shouldn't or couldn't or whatever. I'm saying that is different than being a defendant, being added as a defendant by LSU football in a Title IX lawsuit. Very different. That is different than the Darius Geis and, 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 and his... And in investigations into rape. That's what the caller was in. Re- was, that's what Jay was referencing earlier, not a TV station coming out with stuff. So, I mean, I think you're, you're, the, the argument you're making should be a different argument as far as, well, LSU wanted Edo out and then they started releasing stuff. Or maybe Woodward started to release stuff. And that's, that's fine if you want to believe that, but that's different from what he was referencing earlier. That's my point. And, and raising your voice doesn't change that. I'm not even arguing with your points about the TV station getting the reports wrong. And I'll say this about Kyle's point. When a story gets out that isn't true, I'm not talking about an investigation. I'm talking about rumors, innuendo, or whatever. When those things come out and then someone redacts it several days later, once it is caught fire on social media, the damage has already been done. It's already been done. Redacting something, especially when it's somewhat salacious and it's one that you know turns into memes and jokes and people have strong opinions about it and it drives some sports talk radio stations around the state to discuss it. You can redact it later. It doesn't really matter. But that, again, is very different than the investigation and Title IX lawsuit and all that other stuff. That's the serious stuff. And hell, again, if LSU was undefeated and those stories came out and they weren't even true, those stories probably wouldn't have come out. But if they did, everybody would be like, oh, cool. Look at Coach Joe. He's a wild one, isn't he? Got, got the ladies in practice. Oh, baby, he's winning. Good for him. You win. People look the other way. ESPN Lafayette. Will the Saints finally get a win Sunday? They've lost five in a row. They're a five and a half point favorite, but COVID continues to hit the locker room. I'm just waiting for someone else to test positive today from the Saints. First, it was Cam Jordan. Then it was Mark Ingram. Then it was Ty Montgomery. Who's next? 
Remember week two when they went into Carolina and were missing like their entire coaching staff with the exception of three people? Yeah. Saints Jets Sunday at noon. We got Rage Cajun hoops for you on the on the docket this weekend. Big game tomorrow morning, La Tech hosting Louisiana. 11 a.m., 10.30 tip-off from Ruston. Jay Walker has the call. And then on Sunday, big game for Gary Broadhead squad on the road at Houston. It's a big one. They went to Houston earlier this year and won a huge game against Rice. Now they take on the Cougars at 2 o'clock on Sunday. We'll have it for you on the airwaves 145. Steve Peliquin has the call. I'm Scott Prather. I will talk to you guys bright and early Monday morning. Looking forward to it. We'll recap the weekend that is. Get you set for NOLA Bowl week, among other things. Talk plenty of Saints, Jets, NFL Week 14. Dan Patrick is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Have a great weekend, everybody. Check.